We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app good morning lee hey tara 41 percent of american families say their financial position has worsened since president joe biden assumed office that's the worst in 37 years it's been a while yeah According to a Sunday ABC News Washington Post survey. So, yeah, if it's Washington Post and ABC News, then you can go ahead and assume it's over 50. Yeah. Uh, safely, because they wait the way they wait these polls is, is pretty bad. Um, and so when you come in at 41%, I'm shocked it's only 41. Um, that is still the worst result in 37 years. So even the Washington Post and ABC News admits they're not fooling anyone with the state of the economy. But they trotted out Brian Deese, uh, Joe Biden's chief economic advisor, to explain that you are actually better off now than before the pandemic. We had a poll out over the weekend, ABC News, that found that 41% of Americans say they're worse off financially now than before this president took office. How do you explain the disconnect there of why this administration's message about the strong economy is not getting through? Right. So it, it is the case that if you look at the kind of key measures of basic economic security. Uh, do I have health insurance? Do I have $400 in the bank um, in case my car breaks down or I have another emergency expense? Am I um, late or delinquent on a credit card bill? Am I facing foreclosure? If you look at all of those measures, they, um, on average, American households are in a better position than they were before the pandemic hit. Did you note the way that question was phrased? That the administration's um, you know, their, their, their view of the economy, it's not getting through. I beg to differ. It's getting through. It's just not being believed because reality is, is uh, checking in with the American families. And this is the unified message of the Biden administration. Yeah. I mean, they, they trotted out Pete Buttigieg to explain that look, there's just so much good financial news. People can't absorb it. And that's why they don't know they're better off. I was Buttigieg's take. Yeah, who, I mean, who was obviously a, an expert both on economics and transportation. As when he when he shows up to work at all. Be, yeah, being a mayor of a town that he couldn't even get the potholes fixed. But anyway. Right, yeah. Um, which is a, a rare occasion. Um, meanwhile, Joe Biden, in the second most jaw-dropping statement of his presidency, the first to me is, is still um, when he defended Chairman Xi, rounding up the Uyghurs, throwing yeah. them because of their religion, into cattle cars and using them as human slaves about how, you know, you just have to fight dissent in China because it never ends well when they have dissent. So you you generally do have to round people up there 
uh, Holocaust style, put them on cattle cars and ship them away. And when the satellite images of that show up on CNN, you defend Chairman Xi. Um, that was his first most shocking comment. But this is a this is a close second. Joe Biden, Biden rewriting economic history. Lee, even if you don't follow politics or economics or any of it, you just don't care. You know what your basic economics is personally, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you you know that you were better off in the Trump era. At a minimum, you know prices weren't haywire. Joe Biden's new position, I'm still not over this. Joe Biden's new position is that we had, we already had inflation when he took office. And he inherited the inflation. Now, that's shocking because Joe Biden has also told us that Putin caused the inflation. Putin would not invade by invading Ukraine. Putin wouldn't invade Ukraine for a year after after Biden took office. Yeah. So that that's impossible. Either Putin caused the inflation a year after Biden took office by invading Ukraine or the inflation was already in place when Biden took office. These, the, this is a this is the claim he just made. Do you take any blame for inflation, Mr. President? I take any blame for inflation? No. Why not? Because it was already there when I got here, man. Remember what the economy was like when I got here? Jobs were hemorrhaging. Inflation was rising. We weren't manufacturing a damn thing here. We were in real economic difficulty. That's why I don't. Thank you. I think the workers at BMW and Michelin and a few other, uh, like in Boeing and, and Volvo down around North Charleston, I think they would beg to differ with that uh, not a darn thing was being manufactured in this country. They may have a little issue with that. That was a bizarre attitude. Yeah, it was. It's a, a bizarre very attitude. Strange. Yeah. We had a manufacturing boom under Trump. So that's his new position. Putin didn't actually do it, Trump did. Um, and, and it's just astonishing for a president, like in the internet era, to say stuff like this that's so easy to check. I mean, you can go back and Google what the inflation was the month he took office. You can look it up, anybody can do it. And it was historically low, not high. Trump left us, you know, depending on when you want to call it December or January when he took office, um, you know, or get, went out of office, 1.2 to 1.5% inflation rate. That's historically low. It, it, you know, normal would go all the way up to 1.9 um, inflationary rate. So this whole idea that we had high inflation when he took office, I mean, how is that his, is that the dementia or is that the compulsive lying? I, I don't know which one it is, but it's it's like Axelrod's trying to telegraph. Axelrod's out there saying, hey, listen, you know, maybe we shouldn't talk about how great the economy is in the State of the Union. I mean, he's he's begging the speechwriters for Joe Biden, like, the, the, you know, good economy, maybe not something we should talk about in the State of the Union because it's like grinding glass into people's wounds. What else could they talk about, though? Well, did you hear this? He's going to focus on foreign policy. Oh, boy. Gee, that's. Um, I think that's a problem too. That yeah, there uh, there is no foreign po- policy victory that this administration can point to. I mean, the the recent Chinese balloon fiasco, the uh, dumping of billions of dollars of military equipment in Afghanistan when you lied to our allies and and uh, pulled the military out in the middle of the night, literally. I mean. Th- Nothing has been done about the situation in Syria. We still have U.S. U.S. military troops in bases in Syria. I still can't get over this, Tara. And nobody in this country seems to be the least bit interested in this. We have military personnel stationed in Syria. The Syrian government didn't ask us to be there. They don't want us there. 
they don't need us there. And we and, still and the, have a base, military personnel, and supply lines obviously coming in because you got to support the troops with ammunition and food. And we've got military personnel in Syria. But we pulled out of Afghanistan. Yes. Probably the only place we should actually be because yeah. that's where the terrorists are or where they were. Now, apparently, they're just streaming over the border. Right. Uh, the people on the FBI. Yeah, there is that Washington. border thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, also can go into the foreign policy file folder there, too. I mean, at this point, to me, if, if you're going to let Chinese balloons fly into our territory that, that are armed with explosives, as we learned in the last 24 hours, and you are going to let people on the terror watch list just walk in here unimpeded because you're so busy processing the future voters, and that's your goal. That's your that's what you're doing. Um, and you you know your own estimates are that 150 people from the terror watch list will cross the border by the end of the year. That's the Department of Homeland Security. That wasn't supposed to be released, by the way. They leaked it. Somebody in, there's some patriot inside the Department of Homeland Security still thinks we should have Homeland Security, a radical position for people who work at the Department of Homeland Security. I mean, when you're at that point, honestly, does it does it matter if we have a military? W- what are we going to defend exactly? Is is it just is the military just for foreign incursions? Because, I mean, at, we are getting to the point where it has become politically incorrect to defend the homeland. I mean, that's where we are. These statements by that NORAD general are are shocking. And I mean, nonsense, I mean, jaw-dropping. I mean, the Biden administration has gone for from, in the last 48 hours, oh, hey, we didn't have a good shot to shoot down, um, you know, the, the, the balloon over the Aleutian Islands, darn it, gosh darn, to, oh, actually, no, we chose not to shoot it down. Wait, what? General Van Herc, I think this is the biggest news today, said, well... I didn't shoot it down because it was my assessment that this balloon did not present a physical military threat to North America. This is under my NORAD hat. Therefore, I could not take immediate action because it was not demonstrating hostile um, act or hostile intent. He then, completely unironically, with a complete and total lack of self-awareness, adds that the balloon was up to 200 feet tall with a payload the size of a jetliner, It weighed in excess of a couple thousand pounds and, quote, potentially carried explosives to detonate and destroy the balloon. When our enemies hear that, Lee, Russia, North Korea, whoever, terrorists from Afghanistan, where they are regrouping to train and all to come back over our border and kill us, when they hear that, I mean, do you hear what I hear? Yeah. Oh, Cool. Okay, so I can send a 200-foot-tall balloon with a payload the size of a jetliner over America? Cool. That means I don't have to hijack a plane. I mean, this that's just your way. To say this? Are they trying to get people killed? We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Newsweek admits what your humble host said. They were wrong. Like, really wrong. Kevin Bass, a medical student, PhD student, medical school in Texas, wrote and was actually allowed to publish in Newsweek an opinion piece in which he confessed that the federal government got it really, really wrong on COVID. The decisions made by the federal government at the, at the federal, state, and local levels actually led to unnecessary deaths, he said, and unnecessary $12.2 trillion worth of damage to the economy, to the GDP. I would add 96,000 businesses permanently closed and destroyed for no reason. So, folks, when I'm obsessed with censorship here and I talk a lot about it and I get the pushback on the text line, which I ignore, well, I'm not on social media, so I don't care. Oh, yeah. Well, 96,000 businesses. Massive inflation from the printing. Paying people to stay home when they never should have stayed home. Oops. You're living with the results of censorship. It is the single biggest problem in our society. It is. The fact that we're not allowed to debate, which allows very bad people to do very bad things and to have an outsized amount of power. He actually writes a news. I'm amazed they published this. He writes in Newsweek, as a medical student researcher, I staunchly supported the efforts of the public health authorities when it came to COVID-19. I believe that the authorities responded to the largest public health crisis of our times with compassion, diligence, scientific expertise. I was with them when they called for lockdowns, vaccinations, and boosters. I was wrong, he writes. We in the scientific community were wrong, and it cost lives. He then did a crazy radical thing. He apologized. He apologized. My favorite part of this piece is when he says that not only were they wrong, but they used their government power to censor people who were right, like John Ioannidis. If you were with me back in the beginning of the pandemic, when I was telling you it wasn't a pandemic, that it was overstated, that this would end up being probably a little worse than a seasonal flu. And I was quoting John Ioannidis, and he was explaining why that was. He's a virologist at Stanford. Highly respected, or was, before COVID in his field of virology. And it's interesting that this article 
specifically mentions Jay Bhattacharya and John Ioannidis because they got it right and were horribly censored for it. I got it right. We now know from CNN 90% of the deaths were in fact fake. A legitimate question this morning, was this even a pandemic? Did it even rise numerically to the level of a pandemic? CNN's own medical commentator, Dr. Leanna Wynn, who spun so many false yarns during that time, admitted in a piece, oh yeah, they were all the time coding. Uh, coding everything as a, as, as a death, even if they didn't know if it was COVID. Well, that's right off the government's guidelines. And those of us, like me, who tried to post those guidelines to Facebook and point out um, that, that they were causing a massive false reporting of COVID death to scare people, yeah, I got my first strike ever on Facebook for that. Where'd I get it? I just published a link to the CDC's own site with their new coding instructions. And how if you didn't even know if it was coded, just COVID, co- if, 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 if the person had COVID. If you weren't sure, just go ahead and code it COVID. Code everything COVID. Even if the person died of cancer or heart disease, just code it COVID. If you can get a positive COVID test, code it COVID. So it's pretty awesome that three weeks ago, CNN finally admitted I was right. 90% of the deaths were not COVID. They were just coded that way. CNN called this a crisis. It was. I tried to tell you, but I was censored. I was censored. So if 90% of the deaths from COVID were fake, CNN, take it up with them, not with me. I'm just passing this on to you. And I want to direct your attention back to a New England Medical Journal article. It's yellow now. It's from my stack. It was written by then head of the CDC and Anthony Fauci. And it predicted at the end of this, even though it looked bad right now, that COVID would be like a bad flu season. And that's exactly how it ended up. If 90% of the deaths are fake, CNN, take it up with them, not me. This was like a bad flu season. This was about 110,000 deaths in America. That's bad. It's not good. Definitely something we should have had our attention directed to and definitely something we should have taken extra precautions over. But nothing more than that. What's a typical flu season? Anybody know? It's 40 to 60,000 deaths. What's a typical cold season? Yeah, 20 to 40,000 deaths. Remember the flu disappeared. And that's because the PCR test couldn't dis- differentiate. The flu disappeared. There weren't any flu. There's no flu. So basically what we had then was a season roughly comparable to a, you know, a pretty severe flu season in terms of deaths or a flu season since the flu disappeared plus a cold. In other words, worse than average, certainly. Pandemic, doubtful. Why isn't anyone talking about this? We destroyed 96,000 businesses. We put ourselves $31 trillion in debt. We wiped out $12 trillion from our economy that may never come back. And all we do, all we get is one email, what, one opinion editorial in Newsweek saying, oh gosh, sorry, we were wrong. Anyway, I wanted to point out to you because even on the death, so many of you have said, oh, you got that wrong, Tara. I didn't. Got it right. Got that right too. So I'm betting... I, I am 100% right on COVID so far. Got it all right. Pretty remarkable track record if you think about it.
Good morning. Let's jump on the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line and see what's going on there. 71307. So many folks commenting uh, today on the show. Unfortunately, I'm having trouble advancing it. Here we go. Um, text rates, Tira. My mom, when my mom passed away of mesothelioma in 2021, the funeral director made us check and double check the death certificate. She said she had hundreds of cases of her clients saying that the death certificate was wrong, that they had put COVID on the death certificate, even though it was cancer, car accident, even just natural causes. I will never forget having Philip Allen of uh, Common Sense Retirement Planning, and he's one of the two guys who owns it. And he had a very good friend whose retirement accounts he happened to handle. And um, that friend had been struggling with with cancer for, for a bit. And he knew he was dying. It was, was very sad. And uh, he had stage four. And he went into the hospital for what turned out to be the last time. So Philip had followed the you know story of this guy. And he, he died. He passed away in the hospital of cancer. And Philip knew that because he was not just a client. He was a friend. Um, and so when Philip has to close out a retirement account, he needs to see a death certificate. Death certificate comes in. This was in the beginning of COVID after they had changed the coding. The medical codes um, used to code what a death was for. And they said, hey, if COVID was an underlying cause, it was a secondary cause, this person died in a car accident, then the death is a COVID death. And, and, and remember the coding guidelines... And I can remember be out, being outraged by this at the time because I knew exactly what they were doing. They were trying to drive the panic because they didn't have enough death to create a pandemic. So what they did was say, well, if you don't know if it was COVID, just go ahead and code it COVID. Yeah, if they had some symptoms, they might have been, you know, had a cold or something. Just call it COVID. You, you don't need confirmation. I mean, they flat out said that in the coding guidelines that they had updated. And so Philip did an interview with me. I don't know if you remember. It was... Right in the beginning of COVID, he's like, I, I, I couldn't believe they coded it COVID. He didn't die of COVID. He died of cancer. But there it was, COVID. And you remember how it was at the time. In the panic, the death numbers repeated again and again and again, including on this station, over and over and over and over, day in and day out and day in and day out. And it made it seem like it was so much worse than it was. Well, now that we know that 90% of the deaths were fake, CNN, take it up with them, not me. That this was a crisis in coding, a misunderstanding. The legitimate question this morning about COVID, was it actually a pandemic? Were enough people killed for it to be a pandemic? I'd argue no. I think it was all fake. Not COVID, obviously actually know someone whose wife died of COVID, legitimately had COVID and died of COVID. So I'm not, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that. Where the fake was, was the exaggeration. And folks, if they get away with this, they will do this again. They will do it on something. They will fake it. They will censor anybody who questions. Oh, speaking of which. Speaking of which. Have you heard about Elon Musk and what's going on? We need to pay close attention to what's going on with Elon Musk because it sure explains a lot of things. Elon Musk has been working around the clock. There's actually been a couple of articles where, you know, business articles where people are worried, like, can this guy physically keep this up? What is Elon Musk doing? He's at Twitter around the clock. And they uh, recently had a, a blogger and a video guy come out to do an interview with Elon Musk. Musk couldn't work it into his schedule till after midnight, gave him a tour of Twitter, explained what they're doing there. 
And what is Elon Musk doing there? The system, the algorithm inside Twitter is still censoring people. And you'll see evidence of this. Somebody will get censored. They'll say, hey, Elon Musk, you know, this guy over here was conservative activist telling the truth. You know, you know the usual story. Yeah, his account just got taken. Why is this happening? Tweets are disappearing when you say the wrong thing. Musk is trying to dig into the algorithm to figure out why. To figure out, like, how, what, how can I stop, how can I regain control of the Twitter algorithm so it will stop politically persecuting people, quite frankly. And that's what he's doing right now around the clock at Twitter. And do you know what he's finding? He had, and, and we know that, we know that first part from the interview that he did. The system won't stop censoring. He's trying to figure out what inside of it or who is doing it. Fascinating, right? He's gotten a lot of the kinks out, but not all of them. And I've seen the results of this too on my own tweets when I know something like, man, that's going to be hot, that's going to go, um, and it barely gets any hits. You can tell that's, that's still censored by the AI. I don't hold it against him. Um, especially since I know he's trying to get to the bottom of it. Well, he just tweeted out this. The worst offender in U.S. government censorship and media manipulation is an obscure agency called GEC. Keep in mind, the government portals into Twitter, we can presume all the other tech platforms, including Google, are still open. They never closed at Twitter. So what you have is a guy digging through. Let me piece this together for you. What he's saying. You've got a guy going through the algorithm at the business he owns, trying to find the government, trying to find out how the government's still doing this at Twitter. It's mind boggling. And it killed. I killed a lot of people. A ton of people. I mean, I get texts all the time. Someone will send one in a minute. Yeah, my poor father died because he couldn't get his, you know, cancer treatment. That was going on as they lied. Texture writes, the CDC needs to be investigated for communist ties. Commies have been known to be trying to seize the U.S. since 63. Now, that kind of text I used to think, like, it's a conspiracy theory. Folks, when your government goes this far to convince you that you're living through a pandemic that you're not actually living through, that deaths are 90% higher from COVID than what they actually were. And you don't need to be as afraid as you were. You don't need, remember how terrified we were, all of us, including me, in the beginning of COVID? It was fake. Texture writes, hey, Tira, I thought that the hospitals in the state got $1,300 for each COVID death by the federal government. Always has to do with money. Yeah, if you could kill them with the remdesivir and hook the, the um, respirator up, you'd get like 30000 bucks for that kind of kill. That's, by the way, that's going to be one of the biggest scandals going forward, too, as they admit all of this. I, by the way, I'm still getting flack. First ever poll to show the public uh, the public stigma over, over, over leashing your toddler, putting your toddler on a leash, you know, to keep him safe. A majority of, well, a plurality of Americans, uh, 48%, now say that's okay. I, me, I never objected to leashing your toddler. I'm a big, like... I'm a big safety fan. And look, with these parents today, they're knee deep in their, they got their nose so deep in their phones. You ought to keep the toddler on a leash if, if, if every time that thing dings or rings, you're, you got your nose buried in it. Just for their safety. 
Because you know how fast you lose a toddler, man. You look the other way, bam, they're gone. Put a shiny object there, man. Like They're, they're like, you know. Texture rates hey, here. I had monkey leashes for my twin boys. And I also had a two-year-old son. They were always running away from me and never took the same escape path. No, they do that. They're like wild cats. They look like herding cats that go in different directions. I never saw what the big deal was over the leashes. You look at a parent like that and you're like, wow, that is a parent that cares about keeping their kids safe. Oh, but I'm getting pushed back. There's some sort of social stigma to it. Like, today's parents, man, they're so distracted. I think the leash is the way to go. Oh, I'm dead now. The text, the te- they are coming for me on the text line. They are coming for me. Texture rates. I love the way they use your capitalism against you. You don't care how you get your money, so please keep advertising the Pfizer jabs. Okay, here's the thing. That is part of Pfizer's national ad campaign. Um, Wall Street Journal has said a lot of the claims they're making are fake. They have bought ads at the national level, so they run on all our stations. We hear them when you do. Um, but I have to say... That Odyssey um, here has not only taken the Pfizer advertising and the Pfizer money, they let me say what I want about this now. So I can trash Pfizer if I like. So I think it's all fair. I'm not offended by it. And I'm not controlled by it, as you can see. I wouldn't be saying what I am right now. Uh, Texture rates. The government was paying for funeral expenses for all COVID-coded deaths. Uh, And finally, another Texture writes. Oh, where did it go? Because it was a good one here. Uh, why then is the CDC pushing for non-vaccinated to be COVID and that Brit Tony Blair wanting a non-vaccinated database? Oh, you're talking about the vaccine passports. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, very good. The pro-leash parents are backing me now on the text line. I've always been pro-leash. I just never could say on talk radio because I get eaten alive. But now we have a new study showing that that is actually now socially acceptable. Because, quite frankly, it's the least weird thing we're doing in our society at this point. Texter writes, my three-year-old grandson pushed out the door of a Chick-fil-A play area and darted to the door. I was right behind him, but if the door hadn't been so heavy... He would have been in the drive through line, period. Use the leash, exclamation point. Another texter writes, I have seven kids. God bless you, lady. Five are boys. Putting them on a leash and dressing them in the same color clothes was a daily occurrence in public. They're all grown and healthy and safe adults. They are in the military and protecting our country. America, you're welcome. Yes, thank you. Another texter writes, the way some parents behave, maybe the children should have the parents on a leash. Now, the texture writes, I traveled to Europe when my daughter was two and a half. I used the leash because of the safety for her sake and for mine to lose a child in a foreign country would have been terrible. I get it. Any parent who has a problem with it doesn't care about their kid's safety. Now, the texture writes, hey, Tara, the leash was a lifesaver. We had three boys. And finally, texture writes, my mom still has the bright yellow leash from the 80s. Oh, my, okay, my mom still has my bright yellow leash from the 80s, and both my kids were leashed as toddlers. No shame. Heck, I would have done it if I wasn't a public figure. I totally would have. Kids, come on, let the, you got to be honest. Kids dart, they do. 
Even the best of parents can lose one, like right into traffic. It doesn't happen a lot, but it can happen. I had kids start off at, I mean, ways that scared me. Crash went, we were getting our hair cut. Crash went tearing out the door. It's one of those heavy doors swung open. Dashed right in the parking lot. Not a thought in the world for, you know, the fact that he was knee-high to a grasshopper and nobody in a large SUV would have seen him. Thank God there was no one there. It could have ended badly. I'm all for the leash. I, I think you should get one. I think you should get three. I think you should double leash your kid, especially the way parents are now. And you look at parents. What does parents look like right now? They're at a restaurant. Mom is buried in her cell phone, right? I mean, we're more distracted now than we have ever been. And you know what'll dri- what drives me nuts too? And I try in my life not to do this. It freaks my husband out, but he's begun to accept it. You know what bothers me about the whole cell phone culture? Always has. If you were standing there, you know, I don't know, a comfy gathering or something like that at a party, and you were talking to somebody and somebody else walked up to you, would you immediately turn your back on the person you're talking to and just start a conversation with them, bam, mid-sentence? Would you do that? Why do we do that when someone calls us on our cell phones? I don't do that. I finish the conversation I'm having. I don't care who's calling me. And then I turn and direct my attention to the phone. My husband actually did that for the first time this week. I don't know if he caught that he did it. We were in the middle of a conversation. Somebody called and he let it go. It was a client. And I don't know. He got he called her back a minute later. Because it's rude. It drives me nuts. So maybe it's just me. But I'm for the leash. I don't think it's a bad idea. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.